Psalm 82. Father, we just thank you and praise you that what you do give to us, we need to be responsible for. We do need to take care of it, and and we do want to do that. But help us to always keep it in proper perspective. It's all going to burn. And so, Lord, we just want to use it for your glory, whatever it is you give to us. We want to invite you into our homes, into our lives, into relationships, into our music that we listen to, into the shows we watch. Father, we want to uh, just be encouraged by your presence amongst us in all things. And we thank you for being with us this morning, and I pray for the gift of teaching. And, Lord, we thank you for these men who took time to write down these thoughts, these inspirations, for we can learn much from them. And so, Lord, I pray for our hearts even right now this morning, whatever may still be distracting us, even everything that's taking place so far, help us to lay it down right now, Lord. Help us to lay it at your throne and really give our minds, give our souls attention to your word for these next few moments in eternity. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Asaph writes Psalm 82 with two types of judges in mind. One judge is God, who is all-knowing and and doesn't need someone to counsel him or give him the facts or evidence in order for him to make a decision. The other judge is the earthly judge whom God has placed in authority in order that his word, and this is key this morning, his word might be used as the standard. You see, these judges were in theory in place of God. And they were called gods with a little g, Elohim, in the Hebrew. And they were not all-knowing, but were supposed to know the word of God so well that their judges would be based judgments would be based on God's biblical standard and not on every man's ever-changing standards. You see, every society has standards. No matter what those standards might be, every society has standards. And you can break that down to every state and every community. And obviously, every individual has standards. You know, there was a, uh, they did this little study one time and they went up to people and they would say, if you, we could give you a million dollars and you would never get caught, you would never have any accusations plunged against you, you could go scot-free the rest of your life, would you kill someone? They actually did a survey on that. And many people said yes. You see, we all have a standard. It's what's, what's going to cause us to lower that standard. Maybe a million dollars? We don't know until maybe we're placed in that position in our workplace. How low will we allow our standard to go in a relationship, maybe an inappropriate relationship? Whatever it might be, how low are we going to bring the bar down? And again, sometimes we won't know until we're really confronted with it. You see, now over time, those standards will most likely change, and it will absolutely change for the worse if a society moves away from the Word of God. You see, society will start to dictate what the standards should be. If this doesn't sound like America right now, you're not reading the news. 
And this will allow evil to flourish. And this is exactly what we're seeing taking place in our world today. Not just America, but in our world. I don't know if you guys read it or not. I think it was yesterday or Friday. But Canada voted overwhelmingly to make all Canada free to do recreational marijuana. Now, it hasn't passed fully yet and it hasn't been implemented yet, but it has passed the largest hurdle in their government overwhelmingly that all of Canada is going to be allowed to have recreational marijuana. I used to smoke pot. <gasps> yeah, get over it. I used to. I used to. And I drive and I would drive. And I thank God that I don't have a prison ministry. Cuz I could have killed somebody. Cuz I know I was under the influence and I knew I I was impaired, but I selfishly did it cuz of me. I wanted to do it. This is just going to bring more and more problems into our society. Physically as well as spiritually. But hey, it's the standard. What's the big deal? It's just a little bit of pot. No, it is a very big deal. In verse 1 of Psalm 82, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Notice that little g. You see, even though people might think that God is not aware of what's going on in their world, He does. And God was judging the judges, and rightfully so. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? That's the condemnation of the judges. You see, God is patient, but He does hold accountable those whom he has placed in authority. And these earthly judges have become friends with the wicked and are now oppressing the just. Defend the poor in verses 3 and 4. So here's the accusation and here's why they're accused of this. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. So that tells us what the judges were doing. They were not doing this. They were actually standing up for the wicked and not being there for the poor. See, God had given Moses very specific directions in dealing with the poor because God is concerned about the poor. And when the harvest came, the poor were allowed to go into the fields and glean after the owner of those fields had gone through the fields once, only once. And if they were to drop a sheaf, if they were to drop a boatload of grain, after going through the field once, they couldn't go back and pick it up. It was left there. And they couldn't glean, they couldn't glean the corners of their fields. So that the people who were poor could come behind them and glean themselves. That was God's welfare program. You see, it was God's welfare program, but when you study his plan, the poor were supposed to go out and work gleaning the fields for their food. This is key, especially in our society, that is, you know, there's a state that's going to give $500 to individuals. They're going to do a case study. And they're going to give individuals $500 and track them over three years, $500 per month to see how they spend that money. Gee, meaning Christmas. 
We already know how this is going to end up. But let's just give away money anyways. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Let's see what the Word of God says. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says this. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. So even when Paul was with the church, he was telling the believers... If you're a believer and you're just sitting around mooching off the rest of the church, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go hungry. Because that's not God's economy. You are to help. For we hear, verse 11, that there are some who walk among you in a dishonorly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. You see, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, made a judgment. And so often we hear, well, we're not supposed to judge. No, we are called to judge. We're just called to judge with grace and mercy. We're called to judge according to the word of God, with grace and mercy, and bless those who maybe are not blessed, but also encourage them to work. And I've heard various stories over the years where people that are holding the signs will work for food, where people will stop by and literally, from this church and literally ask them, hey, I got a job. Will you, do you want it? Oh, no, I don't want it. I'm making money on the corner here. Why would I come and work? Light changes and they go. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to paint with a ride brush and say that they're all that way. But please be careful what you do with those who are on the street corner. Take them something to eat. Offer them a job. Do something where you don't maybe enable their lifestyle, possibly. Be wise. Give them the gospel. Give them a track. But be wise. For they do not know, verse 5 of Psalm 82, they do not know nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness All the foundations of the earth are unstable. You see, the moral foundations of the society had become so unstable. Go back to this time frame. Nebuchadnezzar is coming in. He's taking them off the land. The northern tribes have already been taken off the land by the Assyrians. And it was because of moral collapse. Not because of military collapse. It was due to moral collapse. And just like a building with a poor foundation and an earthquake, it will collapse and come tumbling down. And the nation of Israel was crumbling. And they just refused to accept or admit it. It's not that God wasn't telling them they were through the prophets, that he was. You see, America today is crumbling spiritually and morally. And I like what's happening and I'm, I'm thankful for what's happening. But you still got, and I'm not a pessimist, I'm not a fatalist, I'm a realist. You still got to look at the big picture. Even though things are supposedly changing, church attendance is still going down in America. The millennials have, have no idea. They don't want nothing to do with church. They don't want, majority of them, not all of them, majority of them don't want nothing to do with church. You're all just a bunch of hypocrites. They got it all together, but you're all just a bunch of hypocrites. We're all just a bunch of hypocrites. No. They don't have it all together. They're hypocritical as well. And we can see that most of Americans are doing nothing about it. But if they did admit that we are in spiritual moral decay or decline, 
then they would be admitting that there is a standard and that standard is found in the Word of God. And that would bring responsibility into play, which would then produce accountability. And unfortunately, people are moving away from responsibilities and accountabilities in many, many aspects of this. And not just millennials, various generations. Psalm 82, verses 6 and 7 I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men. Notice that. Their minds had become so full of pride, and they were so wicked themselves, and and siding with the judgments of the wicked, they had forgotten that they were going to be held accountable to the God of heaven. That every person whoever comes upon this earth, it will be held to the God of heaven. And so the Holy Spirit through Asaph or through the line of Asaph here reminds these human judges, you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. And after all of these years, good king, bad king, good king, bad king, there had been a lot of kings that were murdered by people even within their own ranks. So the prince was not untouchable. Many of them died in horrendous ways. Let's look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, 31 through 36. You see, no one can escape the judge, capital J, of the whole earth. And here we're going to see that Jesus makes reference to this psalm in John chapter 10, verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. This is very important. The Jews would not just stone a great prophet. The Jews would not just stone any old person just because they felt like stoning them. There had to be blasphemy involved. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. So next time a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness or a Muslim says, well, nowhere in the Bible does it say that, that Jesus was God or did it ever infer that Jesus was God, you can take them to these verses. It's very clear cut. The Pharisees knew that Jesus was saying he was God. No doubt whatsoever. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. Notice, little g. If he called them gods, the judges, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? He challenges them again with scripture, which is so important for you and I as people come and knock on our doors or as we pass them, to take them to the Scriptures. Not debate about their doctrine and covenants or the watchtower or the Quran. Just take them to the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, 
hearing by the word of God. You see, Moses was in the place of God as an earthly judge. And this concept was passed down to those who followed him. And as I mentioned earlier, these judges were in theory in place of God because they were evaluating situations biblically and then giving a verdict. You know, unfortunately, the Mormons have taken these verses in the Psalms and in John to create a doctrine about eternal life. That humans have the potential to become gods. Which, if a male Mormon does everything here on earth well, they will one day inherit their own planet. They will call forth their wife from the grave. You ladies should be excited about this. To repopulate and govern over that world. Doesn't that sound exciting, ladies? Let's have babies for all eternity. See, you won't find that teaching in the Bible. And I'm not mocking Mormonism. This is just reality. You got to be mature enough to talk about it. If this is a, a doctrine that you have, then be mature enough to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Is it in the Bible? Well, no. No way. Jesus said marriage? There's no such thing as marriage in heaven. You become as the angels. Jesus made that perfectly clear. But you see, anyone can take the word of God and formulate any type of doctrine. And that's why we need... You and I, we need to be reading the whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation, not picking and choosing what we want to read, our favorite chapter, our favorite book, or doing a devotional in the morning that has one verse in it, five minutes, let's boom, 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 okay, I'm on my way. No, actually going from Genesis to Revelation methodically, over and over, year after year after year, so that when people come and say these things to you, you can talk to them intellectually. You can open up the Bible and say, hey, what about this verse right here? It's interesting, even in the daily reading today, see if I can find it real quick. As I was reading this morning, doing my devotion, I go, wow, that just ties in with my message this morning. I didn't plan that, it's just the way it is. Uh, on the fourth one, see if I can find it real quick. Talk amongst yourselves. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 25, the daily reading today, and you, Ezra, according to your God-given wisdom, now they've been in Babylon many, many years. The 70 years have been accomplished. They're now going back to Jerusalem, to a wasteland, to a desolation, no temple. The walls have been broken down and burned. And he says, and you, Ezra, according to your God-given wisdom, and I highlighted that, to your God-given wisdom, not man-given wisdom, to your God-given wisdom, set magistrates and judges who may judge all the people who are in the region beyond the river, Euphrates, all such as know the laws of your God, and teach those who do not know them. So you see what the judges were supposed to do? Not just randomly, well, today I'm feeling pretty good. You're excused. No, no, no. What does the standard say? Let's go back to the standard. And as far as parenting goes, this is the best way that you can parent is by sitting down with your children, especially in the teenage years, when they say, well, that's just what you think. Well, you're old and don't know any better. You open the Bible, you read the verses to them, you say, this is our standard, this is what the Bible says. If you have an issue with it, you got to talk to God, Because and then the next week something happens, you open your Bible. And you remember that standard we talked about last week? Well, let me see if it changed. No, you know what? It didn't change. It's still in my Bible, and it's still in your Bible. 
And then it's not, well, you said this last week, or mom said this two months ago, or blah, 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 blah. No, we, we said this. So be a judge, but be a righteous judge, a merciful judge, a gracious judge, a just judge, and just take it back to the word of God. And that's going to give stability to your life and to your children's life as well. What I also find amazing, though, is that even some within Christianity, under the banner of Christianity, are promoting this nonsense. That a person has God potential. That if they would just realize who they are in Christ, they would have total authority over their lives. Unfortunately, those who are sitting in the chairs or the pews who have the Word of God on their laps don't study the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. They don't meditate on what the Word says because they're just listening to their pastor. He would never mislead me. Because if they did study, they would realize how foolish that type of doctrine is. You see, when we read the whole Word of God, you see that a person is a sinner in need of a Savior and that their only Savior is Jesus, the one and only Son of God. And guys, that's all that we need to present as we go out into our mission field this week. That I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I received Jesus as my Savior. How about you? Who knows what's going to happen this week? What tragedy is going to come into your co-workers' lives? And they've been watching you maybe for years. And they're going to come and ask you, possibly even this week, a neighbor, a family member, Hey, you go to church. What should I do? First thing you want to share is, Yeah, I do go to church because I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I received Jesus as my Savior. And He is now guiding my life. And He'd like to guide your life. And I can give you an answer, but if, if you don't have Jesus guiding your life, it's, it's not going to be much help. Make sure that you witness, given that opportunity. Because why? Because you're going to die just like men, you judges, and you will fall like one of the princes. So Asaph goes on to conclude this psalm. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. A final plea and prayer that God would take care of the situation. God, the world is yours. Why don't you step up and do something? Because... You have to go away for 70 years because you didn't let the land rest for 490 years. So I'm chastening you, Asaph. I appreciate the prayer, but no, read all the scriptures. Psalm 83, the final psalm identified or attributed to Asaph or the line of Asaph. And he describes a group of nations that have come to wipe Israel out to remove them from the land. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. Now again, this is hard for us to comprehend when we live in such a peaceful nation. We haven't had foreign nations coming in and trying to wipe us out for a few years. We have relative peace. So this is very hard for us to comprehend. But again, you want to go back and put yourself as you read the psalm into the psalmist's sandals. And realize that the northern tribes have been taken off. Like I've already said, the southern tribes are being, if not already taken off, they're being surrounded and they're going to be removed. This is trepidation right here. God, what's going on? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you stepping up to defend the nation? And there are times when it seems like God isn't there, that he doesn't care. 
that he isn't concerned about our lives or the situations that we find ourselves in. And just the opposite is true because God does care. And he is concerned about our lives. You see, right before our Lord taught his disciples a form of prayer, he had this to say in Matthew 6. And so I have it on a slide. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. I was raised Roman Catholic. We prayed the rosary. And this verse is in your Catholic Bible. If you read your whole Bible, you're going to go talk to the priest, as I did, and the priest is going to say, well, there, there, young man. Our forefathers have given us the rosary, and there's nothing wrong with praying the rosary. Yeah, but uh, the Bible says, well, there, there, young man. You you don't understand the Bible. Okay, all right, well, I guess I need to leave the church. Because Jesus said, don't do it. If Jesus said it, I'm going to trust Jesus over you. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. And if any of you have been raised Catholics, you know if you pray a rosary so many days in a row, God is obligated. He has to fulfill your prayer. Therefore, do not be like them. Now, here's the key for us this morning. Notice what it says. For your Father knows the things you have need of. He also knows your wants, but he's not concerned about your wants. He's concerned about our needs. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. That's a pretty concerning father. And this is just a few verses of many throughout the scriptures that clearly show us that God cares about his kids. Now, as we read verses 2 through 8, the main enemy of God, who's known as Lucifer, the devil or Satan, has always desired the total destruction of the Jews, yet they are still with us today. Verses 2 through 8, Psalm 83. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. That the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Guys, this is 2,600 years ago. Nothing new under the sun. 2,600 years ago. For they have consulted together with one consent. They have, they form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites and Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot, Selah. What do you think about that? You see, people have allowed themselves to be used by our own spiritual enemy over the centuries in order to totally annihilate the Jews, Hitler, the most popular one of recent years. But God hasn't and never will forsake his word, which contains his promises about his people, the Israelites. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. As people may talk to you about the Jews. The Jews are the problems. If the Jews would just allow the Palestinians to have their free realm, their free reign, there wouldn't be any problems in this Middle East. Of course, they're not reading the news about Syria and Iran and Iraq and how they're trying to kill each other. It's all just about Israel. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. 
The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples, just one, Abraham. <laughs> Can't get much least than that. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath, notice that, that he would keep the oath. It's not because they're holy people. I think it's this coming week or this coming month. Tel Aviv is going to celebrate their 20th anniversary of Gay Pride Day. Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of gay people are going to come and infiltrate Tel Aviv. So it's not that the Jews are religious, you know, all the Jews are very religious and they're all super holy and they're all seeking after Jesus. They're pagans. They're pagans. Even to this day, a majority of those who live in Israel do not even believe there is a God. That's just reality. And so there's many people to be reached for Christ. But God says, to keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You see, God chose Israel to show mankind, you and me even to this day, that he can be trusted because he keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Even if the whole world would come against Israel to destroy them, and they will because the Bible says they will, the whole world, including the U.S., if we're still here, God will still deliver them and prove his word to be true. Moab and Ammon, the sons of Lot, were, incest, were of Lot through incestuous relations with his two daughters are listed here. They would come from the east along with the Ishmaelites. Edom will come from the southeast along with Gebel. The Hagarites will come from the northeast and the Amalekites will come from the southwest. Philistia will come from the west as well as Tyre. Israel is totally surrounded by people who want their destruction and they are pressing in upon them. In our verses here. And things haven't changed over the years. You see, Israel is still surrounded by people who desire their total destruction with Iran once again. Once again this week. Why, Pastor, why do you mention this stuff? Because you need to be educated. You need to know this. If you don't know this, start reading at least a little bit of news. Because again, the supreme ruler of Iran said this week, we want to destroy Israel. That's called genocide. Why doesn't anybody step up and say anything? What if we said, we want to destroy Mexico? Forget the border, we just want to destroy Mexicans. Wipe them off the face of the earth. Do you think anybody would say anything? Just a few people. <laughs> but it's just Israel. They're just Jews. Who cares? The church has been lulled into genocide. Because what I'm saying, most churches will not say because they're afraid they'll offend somebody. People won't come back to church. Blah, blah, blah. Kick him in the pants. That's genocide, guys. Are we going to stick around and just say, well, you know, it's okay. They're just Jews. Let the Palestinians have the land. Who needs the Jews? They're the problem. You see, Hezbollah, Hamas, 
the Palestinians, Egypt, Libya, which are all Muslim controlled, by the way, they all want to totally destroy Israel. Not just kill a few Jews. Please do your homework. They want to totally annihilate them. That's called genocide in 2018. And the media will constantly say, well, you know, if it wasn't for Israel, we wouldn't have these problems. What is the media saying? Yeah, we agree with genocide. Let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of them. That's what we need to do. Psalm 83, verses 9 through 15, the psalmist here prays that God would step in and prove himself strong on behalf of Israel. You see, he was looking back on some of the times that God did just that, naming some of the specific people and places of those victories. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Jabin at Brook Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became a refuse on the earth. Pile of dung. Make their nobles like Orbid and Zebid. Yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. God, you defended us then. What's the problem? Oh my God, make them like the withering, whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind. As the fire burns the woods and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Interesting. You see, he was looking back but the nation as a whole was not. The nation as a whole could care less about God. They have been disobedient for hundreds of years up to this point. And God was now going to chasten them and remove them off the land. Not forget them, but remove them. Again, let's read verses 16 through 18. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish. This is not a Christian prayer. We need to be praying for the Muslims, the Palestinians, all those who I listed, that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior and not sacrifice their kids on the altar of politics. That they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. Uh, two weeks ago, it was revealed that the Palestinians, the elite Palestinians, said we will give everyone that dies $3,000. We will give their family $3,000. Go out and be a martyr for our cause, and we'll give your family $3,000. Great group of people. Makes you want to be one, doesn't it? Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, maybe... Asaph was thinking back to King Hezekiah. See in verse 18, it says, That they may know that you whose name alone is the Lord are the most high over all the earth. And Second Chronicles 20, maybe he was thinking back to this. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. So the enemy that was coming against Israel actually started to kill each other. They became enemies against each other. And when they had met the end of, end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. In other words, God took care of the battle before the Israelites even came there. The singers went out in front of the army and God delivered them from their enemies. And verse 29 of chapter 20. Why? 
And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. That the Lord. You see, unfortunately, Asaph's prayer didn't come to pass in his lifetime, but it did come to pass. And it will continue to come to pass as well. Because God will prove himself strong on behalf of Israel. Because he is God and he keeps his promises. Romans 9, 10, and 11 shows us clearly that God has a plan for Israel and that he will even bring some of them through the great tribulation, those final seven years. They will look upon their Savior and those who survived will become saved so that as the scriptures say, the whole nation of Israel will be saved starting at the millennial reign of Christ. You see, God is not done with Israel here in this psalm and he is not done with Israel today. So my encouragement for you is to continue to pray and support Israel. Again, not because they're holy, as I mentioned to you. Debauchery is alive and well in Israel. But it's a command in God's word. And so we are to obey God's commands and let God take care of the details. We're just to obey God's commands. Father, we just thank you and praise you. And Lord, we do need your Holy Spirit to guide our prayer time. Because sometimes we don't know how to pray. Our flesh gets in the way. Or our politics gets in the way. Or our bad day gets in the way. So Lord, help us to surrender, even in our prayer time, to the work of your Holy Spirit. That we might pray according to your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we we don't know what this week is going to hold for any one of us. So Lord, give us wisdom as we keep moving forward. Lord, help us to be available this week for whatever you would bring into our lives. Help us to, to be ready to pray or to evangelize or to be quiet. Whatever the case may be, to do your perfect will as we go out into our mission field. Help us to be available. Help us to lay aside our problems that we might bless someone else in their problems to be there to comfort them and strengthen them this coming week. Father, we thank you that as we go out, we don't go out, we don't have to go out in our own power. We can try to, but we shouldn't. We can go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit, even right now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? Have a blessed day, a blessed week. Please be in prayer for Harvest America. And if you're not doing anything else, please come back.